series we're doing over three Sundays. Today's got a bit of a family focus to it, hasn't it? With, uh, it has, with little cayenne. Today we've seen about the value of a devoted family of human beings working out life together, supporting and nurturing and considering each other and encouraging one another. Is a, someone once said that snowflakes are frail, aren't they? But together they can stop traffic. There is power in togetherness. There's power in community. Thinking you can go it alone is actually a fragile and very dangerous place to be. There is huge power in doing life together. That's the purpose of family in many ways. And church, family. That's one description of church, not as a metaphor, but actually we are the family of God. So we need to learn how to do that sometimes, don't we? And we are, as Beacon Church, we are part of a wider family of churches, uh, globally, actually, um, called Relational Mission. But even Relational Mission is part of an even bigger family of other movements, and altogether we're called New Frontiers. And one of the mottos that have, has, uh, New Frontiers has ad- adhered to much over the years um, is we can do more together than we can apart. There's value in family. It's so important. And commitment is a wonderful word to talk about. It's a wonderful notion to be much admired, but it can be quite difficult to live up to, can't it? Marriage takes work. Ask my wife. (laughs) (laughs) She's smiling. We must be intentional or we drift. Cracks appear. We have to be intentional. Our natural gravity pull is towards self. That's always in us as human beings. We have to work to avoid it or to recognize problems and weaknesses and do something about it. Family takes work. It's exactly the same. We must be intentional or sharp words fall out of our mouths or come out on purpose. Either way. Hurts, disappointments, apathy as well can eat into our love for one another and the family bonds can start to fray. We need to be intentional. We need to work at marriage. We need to work at family. And it's the same with Jesus' family. For church to flourish, it doesn't happen by magic because we still have that gravitational pull towards self. It's still there. Old habits can die hard, even for those who are following Jesus. It's still there because our default is to go the other way. But Jesus was bothered. Jesus was intentional. Jesus was compelled by his love when he came to rescue us from our suicidal tendency to keep going our own way. That's the problem with humanity. It's the human condition to think we know better than God. And Jesus was intentional enough to know, I love them so much, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to prove my love with an act. And he came to rescue us. He was intentional. Being intentional means being bothered, even, probably especially, when you don't feel like it. It's hard. We have to fight. There's a battle going on. So there's this one verse in Hebrews chapter 10 we're going to look at. Just to set the scene, most of the letters in the New Testament are to individuals or to individual churches. That's the way it goes, to a particular church in a particular town somewhere or to a particular person. Uh, Hebrews is one of the rare ones. It was actually to a much larger audience, a bit like Peter's letters, to a larger audience. These ones are to the Jewish converts to explain how the old sacrificial system has now been revealed in a whole new way through Jesus and how he fulfills the old law. But it's to, to a global audience, if, in effect, and actually much of it we can glean for ourselves today in a very powerful way, including these verses. We call this series Committed. Last week, David looked at verse uh, 23, wasn't it? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He looked about being committed to 
the God we, we've personally decided to follow, sometimes we can still drift. It's about being committed to him, but it's actually also recognizing his commitment to us. He is faithful. So last week was about being committed to him. Next week, uh, is it next week? Yes, next week. Um, John will be looking at verse 25 about recognizing one day this earth will come to an end. There is a day coming. And in light of that, we need to be committed to mission. We've got a job to do. So it's being committed to him, being committed to mission. And in the middle, verse 24 into verse 25, we're going to look about being committed to each other, about family, being committed to each other. Let's just read this one and a bit verses. Hebrews 10, verse 24. The writer says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Shorts, I'll read it again. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And John will deal with the latter part next week. What's he saying? He's saying consider how you can stir one another up to love and good works and so on. This word stir is fascinating. He's saying be stirrers. We all have a connotation of the word stirrer. Such and such is a bit of a stirrer. But it's actually it's the same principle, but this is a good meaning rather than a negative meaning. He's not saying consider how to love one another and do good works. He's not saying that. He's saying... How, consider how you can stir each other up to do it. The actual original language is about provoking, but irritating. Go on, let's do this. The only other place this original word is used, paroxysmos is the Greek word in the original text, the only other place it's used is in Acts chapter 15, in one verse, and it's used twice in the same sentence. It's about an argument. Paul and Barnabas were having a bit of a Barney. Paul and Barney were having a Barney. And about which way they should go on mission. And in this verse... It says between them there arose a sharp disagreement. It was so sharp and so much of a disagreement, the same word is used twice. There was a paroxysmos, paroxysmos. There was an irritable irritation. It's really, you get to the grips of this, what this word's all about. That's the only other place this is used, and it's used here. Consider how to stir up, to irritate in a good way, each other, to love each other, and to do good works. When we stir sugar into a cup of tea, we have to stir it up, don't we? We have to create a bit of a whirlpool. We have to break the mill pond, get it swirling, get it agitated. Stirring, that's what it does. In order to end up with something much sweeter, we have to stir it up first. You have to agitate it. It's about provocation, it's about challenge. The writer here is saying, in a good way, annoy each other into being loving. Who's up for a bit of that? Yeah, a June is, brilliant. It's only when things get difficult, actually, are we confronted with our true selves? It's true. Or we're made to rethink our usual behavior because we've done the same thing again. We recognize the consequences of it. Sometimes we, ha we need something to jar us and go, that's what I'm like. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes it's, friendship is, is considered about being nice and not you know, kind of treading on eggshells around people about being kind and I won't say anything. But actually, if you're a genuine friend and you genuinely love, genuinely love someone and you want them to grow, sometimes we need to have a gentle chat about things. People have, to me, they've taken me aside and said, I'm not sure really this is working. All those things you say, you think it's funny, but it's not. And they, if they love me enough, sometimes people do that to put people down. That's different. If you do it to big someone up and to help them grow, if we love people, sometimes we're going to say, say something, aren't we? 
I do wish some of the people on the X Factor auditions have had someone lovingly take them to one side <laughs> and go, daughter, we love you, you're amazing, but you sound like a flock of goats or something. I, I, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I think they're there and the family going, oh, she's amazing, and she opens her mouth and you're like, has no one told her? If you really love her, <laughs> please don't put her on live TV <laughs> sounding like geese. So sometimes we need to agitate each other and go, provoke each other and go, do you realise I love you and this is why? See, the thing about love, love is more than just a feeling. The songs often seem to indicate love is a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's not an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is an act. And it only occurs when we place others before us in marriage, in family, in church and so on, when we decide in their best interests and not on our own. And not our own. And that's what the writer's here saying. Consider how you can stir others up to consider, keep considering others, to keep looking at... How can, how can we encourage each other to keep looking outward beyond ourselves and think of other people? How can we do that? To stir each other up to love and good works. See, good works is the very signs and symptoms of that love being acted upon. If love, for example, is the passion to paint, good works are the beautiful artworks that are a result of that passion. You have to still be intentional and put oil to canvas, don't you? Love is an act, and good works are, the, are what results. So the author here is saying, consider how you can provoke each other. Be irritably irritable in a good way. Stir each other up to love, to let your passion be worked out on the outside, to do good works, and to encourage one another. He says, right after the end, says, uh, but encouraging one another is, imagine that if all of us, every day, we considered who we, could, who we could encourage and how. Imagine if every day we got up and go, God, who do you want me to encourage today and how do you want me to do it? Imagine if all of us were doing that. We do do that a lot between us. This isn't browbeating today. This isn't telling you off. This, we're doing well here. But just imagine if we did it all the more. We were consciously, God, who do you want me to encourage today? Can you imagine? Encouragement is an amazing thing. The word encourage, just think you break it up. Encourage means to give someone courage, to embolden them. That's what encourages, helping them see that they can do something. Thanking them for something they did. When you've ha ever had a positive word, someone said something kind to you, you said, I, think, I love what you did the other day, that was brilliant. Or what you did for that person, I know no one else saw it, but well done. You feel your chest swell, you're emboldened, you think I can do that again. If you're stepping out and you've done something you've, you're scared of, and you've done it anyway, and someone says, well done, do you want to do it again? It emboldens you, you think, I can do this. Gives you strength, gives you courage. It's a brilliant word. The writer here is actively asking us to consider how we can provoke each other, to how we can create these learning moments to intentionally break the surface tension, to put deliberate thought into how we can get each other out of our comfort zones. And that's the next thing I want to talk about. I'm talking about discomfort zones. Discomfort zones are a good thing. Who likes their comfort zones? Yeah, lots of hands. We love them, don't we? There's a good reason why. They're familiar places. They're familiar people. They're familiar refuges. Comfort zones are great. Mine include films, solitude, and fig rolls. They're my, <laughs> they're my comfort zones. If you don't know me, there's, there's become a bit of a thing here, and fig rolls follow me around now. I hardly, have to, I hardly ever have to buy any. I went, to a, I went to a conference in Norwich once, and a bloke came up to me. He goes, are you Steve Dunn? It's like, yeah, I've never met him before. He goes, come with me, I've got something for you. 
I thought he had a prophetic word <laughs> written down. We rushed across this whole conference centre. Never met him before. Didn't know, didn't know him from Adam. And he goes, love, can you get that thing out of your handbag? I thought, oh, he's written it down. He's written the prophecy down. He's, hands me a pack of figure rolls. I've heard all about you. <laughs> Seriously. It's brilliant. I'll get them for my birthday. I'll get them for Christmas. I love them. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with comfort zones. In, in, in respect, there's nothing wrong with, per se, with films or solitude or figure rolls. But too much of them can be a problem. Films can soak up my time. I haven't got there yet. She's... She, <laughs> I've got a punchline in two sentences time. Just wait, darling. <laughs> films, films are great. Some films we shouldn't touch with a barge pole. Some films, generally, cinema is a good thing. Cinema, I love, it's, it's, the, it's the higher echelons of art, and I'll argue that till my dying day. It's the highest form of art, I'll tell you that. Films I love, but they can soak up my time. Generally, films, most at large, are fairly neutral in as much as they're okay, but I can spend too much time there when I should be doing something else. They can soak up my time. Solitude. While a perfectly healthy place for an introvert like me to recharge, it can mean I'm not being challenged if I stay there too long. And figaroles. There's nothing wrong with figaroles, but too many can backfire. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we need to embrace our discomfort zones. You know an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Packet of fig rolls a day keeps everyone away. It's brilliant. <laughs> moving on, moving on. We need to embrace our discomfort zones. Because comfort zones are more than just retreats. They can become mindsets. They can become where we stay because it's comfortable. While they are necessary places for rest and recuperation, spending too long there can hamper our growth. I, for most of my adult life, well early adult life, up childhood through adult life, the whole idea of public speaking terrified me. I'd have done anything but stepping out in front of other people, opening my mouth. I remember, and I've, I think I've told some of you this before, I remember when I was about eight or nine in my church where I grew up, I saw the Reverend Harry Waite up in his pulpit preaching, and the whole thought of that terrified me. And I, I actually remember praying, dear God, whatever job you give me, don't let it be that one. And he was clearly rubbing his hands, thinking, watch this space, boy. <laughs> but over time, I had to accept that people saw something in me, and as they provoked me, they irritated me into, you can do this, have a go. See, bravery isn't, not being, isn't being fearless. Bravery is stepping out even when you're fearful. It's different. And as we do that, as we hear that God's giving us a little tug, and I need to get out of my comfort zone, I need to do this, you end up growing as a result. If you don't step out of your comfort zone, you won't grow. I had to accept that others saw something in me and step out even though I was nervous. Comfort zones can be a massive hindrance to our growth because they are where we aren't confronted with difficult truths. It's almost where we bury our heads in the sand, isn't it? They're where we go to hide, aren't they? They don't require much of us. If you're comfortable, it's just, a, it's just something to raise. If you are comfortable and you keep resisting leaving your comfortable spaces, just be wary, that's a red flag. Are you going to grow like that? I'm just asking. Maybe you're that kind of person, some of us more than others. And C.S. Lewis, he wrote the Narnia books, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and so on. He once said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. <laughs> he said, if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Christianity. 
See, following Jesus means putting aside our creature comforts when they eclipse him. When we're spending more time there than with him. When it consumes our thoughts more than him. So it's not even just sin. It can be neutral things. Comfort zones. Putting aside creature comforts when they eclipse him. Stepping out even when it's scary, knowing he's with you. He wants you to grow. He doesn't want to pull you down, does he? Christianity, following Jesus, means recognising we are a people who are called out for his purposes. And not for our own anymore. It's a big challenge to all of us. Once you say, I'm following you, it goes, right, we're going here. You're like, pardon? It's like, no, I know what's best for you. We have to step out and we have to trust him. We have to step out of our comfort zones to grow. Babies are born into families because they need support and feeding and direction. That's what we were saying earlier with Cayenne. And it's the same for us, for the church. We need family. We need running partners. It's my third point. We need running partners, people running alongside, you running alongside other people. Let's run together. Let's do this together. We need running partners. We need to be running partners. We need people bugging us and getting under our skin. That's where we grow, irritating us in a good way. Bob is very good at getting under my skin in a good way. You know, in a good way. He challenges me. He provokes me. Checks my diary. Are you doing too much? Checks how my week's been. Checks my energy levels. Doing an MOT check on me. He does it on a regular basis and it's brilliant and I love him dearly for it. I need it. It's really, really important. Am I focusing on the right things? How's my thought life doing? We have long chats. It's really, really good. He's done it for 20 years now. I need people like that. You need people like that. And we need to understand sometimes we need to be those people who do it to others. Don't just, it's not all about you. Who can you do it for as well? We should be okay with surface tension being broken between us. When it's for the right reasons, and it's about loving one another, provoking each other to growth, not putting other people down. We should be okay with talking through the hard truths together. Vulnerability is a difficult thing, but it's valuable. There's a lady called Brene Brown, who's done some TED Talks. She's a therapist and a researcher. And she asked, in a big stadium, she asked a load of people to put their hands up and said, which of you would like to come down here and share your life story? And none of them put their hands up. She goes, which of you would applaud the person that does? And they'll put their hands up. We actually recognise vulnerability unlocks something. You've just got to be willing to do it sometime. Should we be okay with talking through the hard truths? We should be okay with loving difficult people. Should be okay with that. But also, we should be okay with discovering we're the difficult ones. We need to be okay with that sometimes. Because when it's confronted out of love, others have our best interests at heart. When it's not, okay, that does happen. Father still loves you, and it's an opportunity to learn nevertheless. But we should be seeking to help one another. And so what does the writer say again? He said, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some as well. If we don't meet together, we're not going to see each other much. We're not going to be able to do this. There's value in meeting together. It's not just about Sundays. Sundays isn't just church. Sundays aren't church. Sundays are something that church gets to do. Sundays are something we do, but church is the people. Church isn't the meetings. Church isn't the building. The word church just means community. It's about the family of God. So outside of Sundays, we've also got growth groups. It's about small community, getting to know fewer people, even better. Don't just rely on a group. Don't just go to a group you're comfortable with either. Will you be challenged? Will you grow? You need to be around people who are unlike you as well. Good question, isn't it? And vice versa. They need to be around you as well. Don't stop going to a growth group. 
because it's not as comfortable as you like it. Maybe there's an opportunity to grow. Ask Jesus how he wants you to play it. But it's not even just about small groups either. It's in between, isn't it? It's not just about meetings, meetings. Keep in touch with, with each other. Drop into each other's for tea. Phone each other up. Meet up in town. Call each other, text each other, WhatsApp each other, DM each other. Send carrier pigeons, whatever it might be. But keep in touch with each other. How often do, are you... How often are we living out family during the week, is the question. It's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Because we need it. See, this morning we've, had, we've got two loving parents who are dedicating themselves to raising their children well. Not according to the latest fads, or following the path of least resistance, but including discipline and shaping and allowance for the child to make mistakes, but to learn from them, not smothering them, not hands-off, but shaping and nurturing. And the same goes for the church. Just a couple of questions. Are you being stretched? Are you being stretched? It's a question to ask yourself. Are you growing? Compared to 12 months ago, have you grown? It's always a good question to ask yourself. I do. Are you being challenged? Where could you be challenged? Where do you need to be challenged? Who could you ask to help you be challenged? I've had uh, a friend of mine, not here, a friend of mine email a few of his friends and he's asked me to be the central hub where he's asking the question, what one thing do you see in me that I need, I'm blind to that I need to deal with? And he's asked them all to send me their emails, send me their replies, and I've collated them anonymously and sent them back to him, including my own, hidden away in there. What a brave question to ask. What do you see in me that I don't, that I need to do something about? Maybe that's something we can do in different ways. Not somebody like that, but in different ways. Are you being stretched? Are you being challenged? Who would help you on this journey? Seek them out. Seek them out. Ask. But also, who can you stir up? How can you get involved? What can you give back to the team? Who can you stir up? Who can you help? Just build relationship. Don't go for the challenge first. Build relationship first. But then out of the relationship, you've got opportunity to challenge each other. As God's family... We are called Christians. The word Christian just means little Jesus, little Christ, little Jesus. We are Jesus represented and lived out loud on this planet. That's who we are. He is the one who died for us so we can die to ourselves. And we can live for him. That's why he died. He rose again. He didn't stay dead. He rose again so we can experience a whole new way of living. That's the good news of Jesus. We can die to ourselves and live a whole way we'd never have been able to before, unhindered before God, experiencing what it means to be human fully for the first time. That's Christianity. That's the good news. And he's given us a job to do, to pass that good news on with our mouths and our hands and our feet. And so if others look to Beacon, us little Jesuses in that respect, what kind of Jesus do they see represented? Where can we learn? What might we be blind to? How can we help each other get there? These are the questions we need to be asking on a regular basis. So let's provoke each other, not to anger, but to love and to good works. Let's co keep committing to being intentional, to being together, to keeping in touch with each other, to building family. It will revolutionise our family here at Beacon the more we think this out loud. And we are doing well. I'm not telling you off. Please don't hear that. We are doing well. But I still think we can do better. Do you not agree? But it won't just revolutionise our family here.
the more that happens, it will revolutionise our town, our community outside as well. It will change Herne Bay. It will result in greater impact on our town, more people coming face to face with the love of Jesus. One more thing. We're going to sing a song to finish, but one more thing. If you're not a believer, just let me ask this question. If there's something today that's appealed to you, something you've seen in how we've been expressing God's intentions for family, something I've been saying about what it means to be a Christian, something we've been saying about Jesus, some of the things we've sung in the songs. If there's something today that's appealed to you, don't ignore that whisper. That's all I'm saying. Be intentional. It's that word again. Commit yourself to finding out more about what it's all about, to dig deeper, to unearth what are these Christians all about? Because there's something there and I can't quite put my finger on it. Don't walk away thinking, nice for them. Maybe there's something you need to be digging out. Because, I will say this, being intentional in discovering if any of, the, any of this is real has resulted in many people in this room finding out it actually is. Many of us can put our hands up to that story. So if you get a whisper, a little niggle of there's something I need to find out more about here, please don't walk away from that. Please just listen to that. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is committed to us. We thank you that you are a God who so much you have, you gave of yourself, Lord. You can't get much more committed than that. Jesus, you came down to live the perfect life we can't live, to die the death that we deserve, to rise again that we might live forever, safe in your hands. You're an amazing God and all we have to do is accept it and step in. Lord, help us. By Holy Spirit, help us just to be consciously thinking of each other, to be consciously asking you what we can do each day. Who can I encourage today? Who can I provoke and stir up to love and good works? Lord, when we feel tired and we don't want to go to another meeting, will you just either give us the energy we need or help us break through that? Help us to not give up meeting together. We just want to keep being... More and more, your people, we can only do that together rather than in isolation. Lord, help us. Where each of us needs the prompt, where each of us needs the help, because you're a good, caring God as well. Help us to run after you together that others might see Jesus lived out loud in such a way they want to know more.